Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Boom. What's up, everybody? It's your coach beautiful day today to release this podcast with my brother i'm gonna call this episode six degrees from alfonso big fun cueto before we get into that please subscribe please support this is for the people this is for you guys sharing the stories of people that have either come through my path that I know, some don't know, some are super famous, some are famous in different ways, but that I think any one of these stories can help inspire one person, one person to change the direction in their life, to change their mindset, to go from negative to positive. That's all that matters, from negative to positive, and help inspire others to go from negative to positive. On this episode, my man, big fun, Alfonso Cueto, Miami legend. Everybody knows this dude in Miami. We're talking about from the beginning of his basketball days all the way through, VP of ad sales at Disney, couldn't find a nicer guy, couldn't find a guy with a bigger heart, couldn't find a guy that cares, cares about his family, cares about the work he puts out, cares about his employees, cares about people. It's a big carer. That's why I called him Big Fun. It's my man. So without further delay, on the Coach HP show, I got my brother. Alfonso, big fun Cueto. Let's go. Like, what are we gonna do about this fucking Cubano from the South, downtown in South Florida, putting together the firm with the palm trees behind him? He's a monster. He's controlling the market. Three, two, one, boom, big fun, and we're on. Big fun. Have you thought of growing up? Did you ever think of becoming a DJ? <laughs> no, no, man. I like to be on the dance floor, but never to be a DJ. My 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 fandom and my, and my vinyl record collection is more of a peaceful journey than than uh, becoming a DJ. Number one, if I know you got you're all over the place, dude, with you're with the vinyl number one type of music that you would put is what to relax to come in to whatever it is what is it 70s soul definitely for sure i I love it i'm digging the 70s soul and if i had to pick one record for my collection that's the gem 
I got it from a flea market uh, thrift store thing for a buck. It ended up being a $350 record called Skull Snaps that, that actually had the beats for a lot of future hip hop later on, but it's from the early 70s. It's got like three badass skulls on the cover of it. Love it. And they're, they're called Skull Scaps? Skull Snaps. Skull Snaps. That's, that's a band called One band, one record, one time only. Only the original print. Found it at a thrift store for a buck. I had no idea what I was buying. And then it was like 350, 400 bucks, something like that. Wow, dude. That's nice. Yeah. Big fun. For people that don't know your name, I know your name's Alfonso Cuero. Why don't you tell the audience who you are, man, what you do? Come on. All right. So, so um, I, my name's Alfonso. Grew up, was born in Miami, grew up in Miami, uh, Cuban parents. Uh, my dad was actually one of the the, the only Cuban-born professional basketball players. He played for the ABA and the Miami Floridians and Memphis Pros. Reason why I start with that is because it has a lot to do with who, who I am really now, you know. And um, you know, for the last twenty years, been working for advertising sales at ESPN Latin America. But this last year, Disney acquired Fox. Disney was the owner of ESPN, and they brought it all together, Disney, Fox, and ESPN for one big portfolio sale. So what I do is I basically run the advertising department uh, for all of sports throughout the region. That includes Fox Sports and ESPN. And then I also run what's called Disney DASP, Disney, Disney Advertising Sales and Partnerships Miami, which includes Nat Geo, Disney Channels, Marvel, Lucas Films all that stuff and the idea is to just be like a one-stop shop for our clients to work with not only our channels but our digital platforms and every ip that disney has under the books which is growing but more importantly than all that right you're probably mr miami man how do you think you got so popular where everybody knows you in miami well i'm, I'm never gonna say that i think i'm popular but uh i do know a lot of people in miami but has to do with living here for 43 years, never living anywhere else. Um, you know, when your dad was kind of like the, the Udonis Haslam of the Cuban community, uh, you know, playing basketball for the local team. Udonis is from Miami High and went on to UF and then played for the Heat and is a, you know, hometown hero. My dad, in many respects, was similar in that he went to Coral Gables High, went to Tulsa University, and then played for Miami Floridians. And so my, my dad and my parents were very well known already and very social. And so I had a head start with a large social circle, people recognizing me, you know, walking through Miami. And then, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think my dad has this and I have it. It's just being genuine and nice and humble and fun, as you say, big fun. You know big fun. Mean? You think that comes with people who are really tall? have like this thing that people kind of view you a different way. So you just want to be nice. So you're not threatening. Have you ever thought of any of that? I mean, I never thought of it that way, but I'm sure there's some pesado tall people, you know what I mean? But, uh, but no, I mean, I think really the heart I have came from my parents and, uh, and being tall probably gets more attention and it's, it's easier to recognize, et cetera. But when you bring the height with the big fun, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a wicked combination. It's a killer combo. <laughs> did you ever growing up, did you ever think of not playing basketball? Like when you were young or was right from the beginning, you're like, I'm going to be a hooper my whole life. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if it was so much like to follow my dad's footsteps. I would say naturally as a kid from, as far back as I can remember, I always liked sports. I mean, my first league was probably soccer. My second league was probably baseball, little league. 
probably five years old, six years old. And then I started playing basketball six, seven years old. And But I think the thing that truly made me fall in love with basketball was Michael Jordan. I was such a huge fan of Michael Jordan. The guy was a basically God walking on earth. I had all the shoes and, you know, watch come fly with me 20 times before every game. And, and naturally, you know, I was able to compete in leagues like Tamiami and stuff that were great in Miami. And then, you know, making the, the school team every year and then playing for Belen and, uh, and then going to college and playing for Spring Hill College, which was a Jesuit school in Mobile, Alabama. I always loved that. I mean, even when I came back from, from college, I continued playing in, in leagues around Miami until my back gave out and I couldn't do it anymore. But still a huge fan. And, and you know, I don't know about Fonzie, my son. I think, you know, he's more into Fortnite and stuff like that. You know, you tried baseball <laughs> for several years and that was, you know, an effort. Coach HP, let, Coach, let, let Fonzie come to batting practice in a Spider-Man outfit one time. Just hey, <laughs> we, we, we predicted the Marvel thing before it even hit. We were we were ahead of the curve. You're a guy, before talking about you now, back then, when did you notice, Big Fun, that you were good at basketball? When did you really start to notice? No, I mean, I'd say like 10 Miami days, like 9 and under, 11 and under, 13 and under, you know, always kind of competing. A-Rod was in the same league in 10 Miami and like, I, I remember a couple all-star games where he was the, the MVP of one all-star team. I was of the other team. Um, you know, I just loved, I loved basketball. And there was probably a time where in middle school and JV that I wasn't the best player on the team, that I wasn't playing well. And I think that's because I was a late bloomer, to be honest with you. I was 5'9 as a freshman in high school, 5'11, sophomore, 6'1, junior. And then when I got to, I started varsity junior year and, and, and became MVP senior year when the growth and the body and the maturity and everything came together. So I was really good young and really good later. You know what I mean? But in the middle there, I struggled when everybody was going through puberty before I was. You know? It's cr it's crazy because I get a lot of kids and a lot of parents that are, their kids are so into basketball. But you're one of the few guys that it makes sense because your dad's 6'7". So it's like there's room here. But what do you tell the kids that they're – usually Spanish dudes, that their dads are 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", and they see their kids obsessed with basketball. What advice do you have for them? Well, I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't limit the kid's passion because of the probability of his height. Like, look at, look at J.J. Barrera from the Mavs, you know, champ, you know, played in the Olympics, 5'9". So, like, I wouldn't want to say – you know, you're, you're going to stay small, play baseball. Right. I know that's what you want to say, right? Like, no, 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 no. You know me. Come on. You know, I want him to be happy. I want him to be happy. That's what I care about. If he loves basketball and he's great at it, then go for it. Right. Now, the logic, if you're looking for, you know, probability and playing odds, you know, you're shorter. Baseball's the way to go. Um being that high, you know, but baseball is very particular, very tough right now. All those leagues, like you got to be playing seven days a week. You got to give your life to that. So if the kid's up for it and the dad's up for it and the kid's enjoying it, great. But if he hates baseball and he loves basketball, you know, yeah. play basketball. Now I'll tell you, like I played basketball my whole life. Like the sport I love the most, like even as a fan and like my dream would have been to play football. Like, but I think being an only child and like destined for basketball and six foot five, so my parents were like, look, just stick to basketball. You're going to mess up a knee. But dude, I love football. 
I, I could have seen myself as a tight end or a quarterback or something like that. And that, I, I mean, I probably did you ever play football? I would have killed myself. No, I, I never put on pads, never put on, you know, never played in Tamiami Colts or Tamiami Colts, buddy. Come yeah, on. Or none of, none of that. Now, you know, when you look back again, you know, I was a late bloomer. So, I mean, maybe I would have, maybe it wouldn't have been the best choice to be on the field being, you know, not fully developed yet, you know, right, guys right. were fully, fully ready, but I don't know. It you know, could have been. How was your experience playing for Belen, man? How was that for you? Well, you know, Belen was, was super cool. First of all, we didn't have a gym. And so we would play at FIU. So the home games at FIU in the Sunblazer Arena or now Panther Arena uh, was awesome. And, you know, I was playing during the days where they still have short shorts. So, like, I always remember myself saying, damn, those are some tight shorts. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but really, like, I think between junior and senior year, I went on a on a camp with like Tim James. We went, I went in a bus to, to Atlanta, Georgia, with like Tim James and a few other guys from Miami, top players from Miami. And I knew the coach from Norland who who brought me along. That you know, not only was I with the best players in Dade County, but I started feeling comfortable and confident playing with those guys. So when I came back my senior year, I came back on fire and like, you know. First few games out of the gate, I remember averaging like 21 and 12, and then started getting a lot of attention defensively throughout the year. So I ended up probably with like 16 points, you know, nine boards average. And, you know, we, we had Pace in our in our conference, and Pace had a nasty team. They had Alex Frazier, who played for UF, UM later on, and uh, Tariq West, that was a defensive end for Louisville, and John Williams, who played for St. John. So, like, they were stacked. and. We gave them a run in the district championship and only lost like by three or four. So unfortunately, we couldn't go larger. But when six three center playing against six seven small forward, you know, it's, and all the other guys are like five nine Berlin Cuban, you know, Cuban Miami guys, we couldn't compete. Dude, do you remember two questions here? The first time you dunked, and then the first time you dunked in a game. So first time you dunked. So probably in Berlin and the asphalt courts. Like, they, you know, they had asphalt carts and we'd play all the time. And I remember there was some sort of, like, field day. And I did a dunk competition against another guy there. And I was able to dunk for the first time. That was probably about 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, the, the first time in a game is a hilarious story. I never dunked in Belen. Remember, Belen, I graduated 6'3". I got to college 6'5". Probably, like, my sophomore year against this team called Bellhaven that I'd kill them every year. Kill them every year. They put me in as a Bellhaven killer, right? And I was right before halftime. My coach hated me because I was a wild ass. I was a wild player, tough as shit, but wild. And sure shit, I did a steal. The guy threw it up to me, and I did a nasty dunk at home. And I was that party guy after, you know, after work. I mean, after basketball, I'd go party with the guys. So they loved me, right? So I dunked nasty off the feet, jammed it. And I was like, woo! And my coach was like, Queen, get back. Get back. And sure shit, my guy, right at the three-point line, at the buzzer, hitting three, he goes, Quater, you're bench the rest of the game. Like, my greatest dunking moment ever, you know, was, was unfortunately extinguished with my coach hating my ass for celebrating too much. But look, if I'm going to dunk in a game at home, I'm going to celebrate, you know? It's, it's going to happen. 1,000%, 1,000%. How was the recruiting process when you're at Belen? What options did you have? I know you went to that school – did you have a UM aspiration? Did you have anywhere else that we you maybe spoke to, but they didn't offer 
or they, were, they had the right position, or they didn't offer you any scholarship money? Was there any of that going on? Look, I didn't graduate from Berlin. I survived Berlin, right? Like I did graduate there, but with really tough grades. It's a tough school, preparatory school, and I had ADD. So like I literally survived Berlin. So I didn't have the ability to get into a lot of schools. So when, there was a few schools that accepted me in the program and a lot of them were like D2 schools. So like Lynn University, St. Leo's, um, Spring Hill. And because of my grades, I really had to walk on and, and eventually prove my place. And, and I, I chose Spring Hill because it was the first school. I went to visit them. It's a beautiful campus on top of a hill and like overlooking Mobile Bay, uh, Gulf of Mexico. And, um, and half of the campus is a golf course. The other half is like a beautiful old Jesuit school. Nice. Thousand, a thousand two hundred students, and I fell in love with the place and, and never looked back, you know. Wow. How was it? I asked this a lot. How was it being Cuban and being over there, living over there, man? You know, actually professionally, you know, being Hispanic comes up a lot. And I've I've done panels uh for, for Disney for Hispanic Heritage Month and how does it feel to be a professional? you know, being Hispanic and being a vice president and all this stuff. And, and I think it applies the same to college when I spent at Spring Hill. I don't know if it was growing up in Miami and being Cuban, that everybody's Cuban. And I never felt like I was different. I felt like, at least not negative to, neg negatively. I felt it was a positive. Fonz, come here. Fonz, real quick. Come say hi to Coach HP real quick. Fonz, come over. Look at your boy there, Coach HP. Fondy, what's up, bro? We're talking about you. Remember the day he let you play Spider-Man on the on the thing? All right, then there we go. So, so and and in those programs, like I always felt it was a positive to be different, and I never felt negative about it. And I felt like I was unique. And I really, like, I didn't perceive myself to be different. But they're like, "Where's, where's your accent from? Where are you, Ecuador or something like that?" I was like, what are you talking about? I got, you know, I don't sound weird, but for them, like, you know. I would say that it was advantageous to be Cuban, right? For multiple reasons, and being on the on the on the team, you know, being big fun, like it wasn't a bad thing. And then, it wasn't a bad thing. And, and and professionally, you know, I would say Disney looks at diversity and inclusion very importantly. So it's probably a benefit. That being said, I work for Latin America, where everybody's Hispanic. You know what I mean? So I'm probably viewed more as a gringo. Than, than a Latino. Than a Latino for, for them. It's funny because so you said something there that's really interesting, bro. We have a regional Miami accent. And people pick that up when we leave Miami because we grow up speaking English. So we understand the words very well. We can express ourselves very well. But the accent is obvious, man. And I had somebody on last night that went to uh, play baseball. Cuban dude from Miami went to Berlin for a little bit and he was at South Carolina and they asked him the same thing. They're like, where's your accent from? Where's your accent from? Because it's, it's interesting. It's a Miami but, accent. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go, 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 go. No, I mean, like you see it on TV all the time, especially like with reality shows. And before you even know where that person's from, you hear their accent. You're like, that's a Miami girl. That's a Miami person. 100% Cuban, no doubt. No doubt. And with us, it's crazy because we don't, really know what's going on in other parts of the country because we were raised in a place where we are the majority. Mm -hmm. So we just think everything is Cuban. And then we get real lucky 
with what's what happens with the race thing is because we are a minority. Even though we don't feel like a minority in Miami, we are a minority. So it puts us in an interesting spot to kind of like we're a hybrid of like a minority plus we're in Miami we're the majority. We're the majority. But I tell you, like being a minority Cuban in Miami, like as you know, the Cubans in Miami have become super successful. They came in with nothing and like they turned yes. it into a big business and legit business. Uh, and, you know, so I think the world has seen that there's this ability, I think, for the Cubans to be very successful. I mean, Jeff Bezos from head of Amazon is Cuban. Yes. Rita Farrow, who's head of Disney, president of Disney Global Ad Sales is Cuban from Miami. Uh, and all the builders that we know in Miami that are killing it, you know, that like, so I think being Cuban, I, they've proven that, especially for the ones that have been here for a while that work hard and, you know, they, they, they could shine, you know what I mean? And they could do a good job. I think the key word there, man, is work hard, bro. Yeah. You made it at basketball as far as you did because you worked hard. You, that work ethic, who'd you get that from? Was that from your dad, from your mom? Where'd you get that work ethic from? You know, I, I mean, if you're talking about basketball professionally or both? All of them. Both. I mean, I, I feel like I have a motor inside, not as not as strong as your motor. I mean, your motor is special, off the charts. But, I mean, my dad always worked hard. My dad always pushed. But, you know, to me, he was just trying to hope that I could be as successful as possible, knowing that I really struggled in school. So, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't. I can't ever remember a time where they instilled it in me or forced it on me. I kind of naturally had it, but it very well could have had it from looking at them. You know what I mean? Like, or seeing how they worked and, and the type of people they were. So, but coach, I mean, when you talk about motors, buddy, you got the best motor in town. <laughs> I don't know about that, but bro, it's just, I, I can't control it. It's, it's the craziest thing where I just, you know me, bro. I just, I just can't stop. And the message is, like even today, like today, this morning, I met with our boy Pepe at, at their office, helping him out with some there. On the way there, I get a call from a kid, his dad, to help his dad with a, with a company that he's starting and how can I help him with social media? And he wanted to bring me on as a consultant. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you for free what I need you to do. And it's just when you're in the business of giving, which is what I am, at the end of the day, I'm in the business of giving 24-7, that doesn't stop. It really doesn't stop. And it, it doesn't feel like work, which is the best part. I can just do this forever, 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 forever. When you, a lot of baseball guys have this problem, and I'm curious if how you felt about this. When you started to realize that college is the last, the last road in your basketball career, becoming a civilian and getting into the work world and all that, how did you approach that? What was your mindset with that? What was your first job out of being a basketball player? Share that. First of all, I'll tell you that I was a wild ass in college, right? Like I wasn't one of these guys who are like, oh, okay, this is what my professional career is going to be. Like really halfway through college, my dad, I was always thinking I was going to be a beer distributor because that's what my dad did. He worked for Mid, He had a beer distribution for Miller. And halfway through college, he sold it. I switched my major from um, business to advertising. And I fell in love with advertising and I definitely saw myself more in the ad agency side, creating commercials, creating logos, creating slogans, et cetera. And the creative agencies that were hiring paid like literally 15,000 a year or something like that. So I was like, okay, that's not it. 
So my first job was selling mail meters for Pitney Bowes. I don't know if you know what Pitney Bowes mail meters are, but it's like if you get a letter from the mail and it has a little red print on the side, you know, that's because it's automated. Bro, door to door. No then, way. Does free stamps come with that? And I'm like, no, you still have to pay for the stamps. You just get a machine that does it faster. They're like, email's about to come out, buddy. So I was, I mean, I was in rough shape and I didn't sell it very well and I wasn't really good. And actually my best friend's sister who worked in the media industry recommended me to an ad agency in Miami called BBDO. BBDO is a global ad agency and they had Visa, Audi, FedEx as accounts. And I came in as a junior guy and I started realizing that there was something to that. And I think there was passion to it because it was in my area of, of, of what I liked advertising. And at, the, at that point it was just media, but I was buying a lot of ESPN and I became buddies with the sales head of ESPN. And eventually she hired me. And then I came in as a planner at ESPN and that's where I grew into, you know, planner, sales manager, director, VP, et cetera. Uh, and just been fortunate that through 20 years of a lot of change, uh, the ability to find my passion, which is creativity, sales, sports, and media. I mean, and with the grades that I had and the fact in college I was a little bit wild and all that, and like to land here, I, I definitely feel blessed and lucky because I can't think of what else I would be this successful at. Um, I, I wouldn't have been a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist or, you know, veterinarian or anything like that. So, you know, it's a fortunate thing, I think, that I landed where I am. Nice. I think you're at the I think you're at the perfect spot. I've told you that. What do you advice do you have for kids now in college that are thinking of getting into media, ad sales, the advertising world, knowing what you know today? What advice do you have for these kids? Great question because it happens all the time and it starts actually in high school. I get you don't know how many Belen kids reach out to me. Hey, I know you go to Belen. Can you help me out? I want to learn. Blah, 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 blah. And what I get a lot is I love sports. I love sports. I know that this is what I want to be. And my advice to them, it's not about loving sports. It's about what can you do within sports? What is the passion that you have within sports? Is it production? Is it programming? Is you want to be a talent? It could be legal. It could be finance. It could be sales. It could be advertising sales. It could be affiliate sales. You need to find a niche. And what is the thing that you're passionate about? And what are you going to shine in within the sports world? Because besides media career, there, you could be an athletic director. You could work for the Miami Heat. You, could, you know, there's so many different avenues that I don't recommend going and saying, I love sports. I recommend saying, you know, I love sports and I, and I think I want to find a way in there, but I want to be on TV. So I had a kid from Belen, just a, right at the beginning of COVID, reach out to me. I knew his dad. And he was like, I want to be a talent. And I was like, listen, Give 50% of your time to trying to become a talent, but give 50% of your time to identify other things in sports. Because for example, digital, social media, dude, get into that. That's our future. Like learn about that because you don't know. I mean, I know I was saying similar to the baseball kid. If, if, if a kid's 5'8", you know, if he still wants to play basketball, go for it. I get it. But being a talent on TV is tough. It's and tough. I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta, Go for that and learn it, but you also have to identify other things. So know the discipline within sports you want to go after, and then always be humble. Like always be humble, come in, be smart, be with it. Ever in an interview, be sharp. Don't don't be like, oh, or like you're just, 
you know, you're being begged to be there by your dad. No, you knock on that door, you hustled in there, you want to know, you know, how to, how to be successful. And I think that's key, key for sure. Like in any, in any professional walk of life, you know what I mean? Big fun. Isn't that funny, man? How many kids are for entry level jobs and they're not humble and the, and you could just tell right away, man, why do you think that is? Pay, misguidance, you know, and my son's going for an interview. I, you bet your ass I'm going to coach him up how to be in there. And I can't tell you how many people I just automatically know that's not the person because of the way that they're acting, whether they think they're hot shit or whether they get too nervous, to be honest with you, or, or they get cocky or they just look lazy about it. Like, you know, my dad's making me come to this freaking job interview. Like, no, man, you know, you have the opportunity of a lifetime, bro. And you got one shot in there. So you got to, you got to go hard. You know what I mean? And you got, you, you got to make sure that you shine and that you may not know much about the job, but you sound like a smart kid and you sound like you have the right attitude. And that's, what's key. I think for sure. Let me ask you a good question. Follow through. So let's say I just, cause my dad, I hacked an interview with big fun over at ESPN. I came dressed sharp. Let's talk about that. What do you like the dudes? Cause I think women, it's easier for them to be dressed, but for dudes, what do you want dudes that go to an interview and your kind of thing? Is it suit and tie? blazer slacks what do you like well i mean that's a tricky question because first of all we're not really sitting in the office anymore right it's all done virtually oh, but let's say the office let's say I mean, office. generally I, i'm not going to grade someone on how they're dressed i would definitely not want them underdressed because it's an opportunity for them so anywhere from if they want to go suit and tie great if they want to go Coat and sports jacket, great. If they want to have a nice button-down shirt and pants, great. But if they come in t-shirts and a jeans, like, eh, eh, you know, not so much. Big fan, I got a funny story for you. So in my days of me grinding, I didn't know what I was before I left to Los Angeles. I'm here applying for this, for that. And I get a thing with, I think they were called Axe Capital or something, which was like an insurance thing. You know what these insurance are like 100% commission, yeah. blah, blah, whatever, whatever. Bro, and I didn't have any suits or anything. So I showed up like with my dad's. I, I had a suit of some kind, right? But I wore because I had watched The Godfather. I was just like The Godfather and all that stuff. So I show up in July with like a hundred degrees in a three-piece. Double, 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 double. <laughs> double with the tie up to here. Large, too big on me. The guy looks at me. I'll never forget this. The guy looks at me and goes, oh, old school. I like it. <laughs> man, it's it's funny, man. It's funny. But I'll tell you what, like me, the world, the media industry, honestly, is getting more casual. And one thing is an interview coming in to try to get the job. But another thing is trying to go sell. And what I can't do in Miami is wear a freaking suit to go sell to anybody because they're going to be like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah, totally. totally. To where not only are they wearing jeans and T-shirts. But they have dogs literally working in the agency. Like now, that's this new thing where in the agencies, like you can bring your own dog. Like it makes you feel better. You it know, makes you feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, this is—I don't—I don't get this. You know what I mean? I mean, I have dogs. You know, but like, come on. 
Hey. Like, oh, I want the dog every 30 minutes. Like, that's not very efficient. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, that's not good for business. Hey, where, where? I was in California, and California, I saw out, and then I thought of Miami. I was like, oh, God. Oh, boy. They're like, hey, we're holding a meeting. Where's the, the ad agency team? No, they're outside walking their dogs. Hold on. <laughs> Give them five minutes. Big fun. When did you start to notice that you're a caring guy, man? Not too many people would do what you did with your son, which is like, dude, grab a team and just go through that grind of being a coach and sit there and blah, blah. And you started with Fonzie from a real young age, man. What was it? Was it that you saw your dad do it with you? Did you say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this process with my son. Did you just want to be in the mix? What makes you care so much? So, no, I mean, first of all, like the only... The only sports chance I think Fonz had, in all honesty, was baseball. And he started at a young age, and he liked it, and we got all his friends together in it. So I think all his friends playing together was important for him socially. And, you know, sports is structured. You need to have that in your life, and that was the only opportunity to have it. And we were lucky to find you to help us not only with the, with the sport itself, but the mental side of things. And not only his mental side, but my mental side. and. You know, it also didn't hurt that my wife, you know, she was also pushing to make sure that he continued to grow and get better. And, and you know, she would lean on me a little bit to make sure I care. And not, not to say that I wouldn't have cared, but there's times, especially in baseball, that you struggle, that you have a bad game. And I would take that too personally because, you know, I wanted him to succeed. But more than anything, I wanted him to be happy. And to me, sports came naturally. You know what I mean? And for him, it was a little bit more of an effort. But. He, he worked hard and he was in the middle of the pack with the team. But I think the caring side of things is way, way on, way more beyond just my son. I just naturally care about others, to be honest, and, and want to make sure that people are happy. And you never know when someone's having a bad day. So there's no reason to be addicted to someone. And, you know, whether it's a campintero or, you know, a CMO of a company, like I treat them the same and, and it's not something that's kind of forced. It's just kind of natural, I, I guess. And I, I think it's important to, to make sure that, that you, you do your job of making people happy when you interact with them. You know what I mean? I can't agree with you more. So of all, of all the three Miami teams, are you more fan? Well, let's do four. Are you more fan of, is it Dolphins, Hurricanes, or he? Because I know Marlins is like there, but which one of those three are you more of a fan of? So, like, my heart and my foundation are the Hurricane football squads from the 80s and 90s, and I love them to death. And, unfortunately, they've had a couple rough years, you know, and the Heat, in turn, have had great years. But, look, if I had to – if you had a gun into my head, I'd probably say uh, Hurricane football number one, Heat number two, Dolphins number three. And I'm not going to lie, I love my Marlins. I love watching the Marlins on TV, and I was nice. really happy that the seasons were starting, and I was – this guy, Jesus Aguilar, was hitting bombs every day. And I was like, damn, it's good to have him back. And then 20 freaking players are positive. Just in the Marlins, right? Just the Marlins. To me, bring the minor league team. I don't care. I just want to see the Marlins on TV. Do not shut down the season. I don't care if the whole squad, including Billy the Marlin, has COVID. You're going to bring me Monte Harrison. You're going to bring me all these young guys. And we're going to keep it going. You know what I mean? And we're going to shock the world. So... It was listen. It was if if the Marlins had a year it was this year with sixty games, you never know. 
you know, and we have young players, not these old guys that get injured. So, and they, they still have a shot. Seven stud uh, pitchers back to back to back to back in the first seven rounds. So, you know, we'll see. I, I have faith that they're going to get it right and they're going to have some success. And I think they're going to be a surprising team, like 2003, et cetera, where they shot the world. I think they have that potential with good pitching. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Big fun. What makes you happy, bro? My family. Uh, having my job, to be honest with you, you know, when we were going through the acquisition, uh, I was really nervous about potentially losing my job. And like, it's the only thing I've done for 20 years and to be able to survive that I'm happy. Um, you know, definitely health, having my parents still around. My wife still has her parents around. My wife has a great big family. And lately, to be honest, stuck in COVID land and quarantining bike riding, to be honest with you, bike riding, listening to my vinyl, going in the pool with Fonz, going to Delray Beach. You know, those are the things that make me happy, you know? Delray Beach. We're not going to blow up Delray Beach, buddy, because <laughs> I'm going to edit that. We're going to edit that because we don't want to blow up your spot. Bike riding. That's an interesting thing because majority of, of us, I think if you live like by the water and stuff, you tend to be more outdoors and stuff like that. You're bike riding. What type of bike do you use? Is it like a hybrid bike, a speed bike, a cruiser? Extra, extra large road bike. It's not like the little 10-speed. It's not a mountain bike. It, it's a it's a Cannondale Quick. It's got a cotton candy blue color to it with some orange and black finishes. Dude, I love that thing. Like, it just, I found, I, I always liked it, but during COVID, it became a necessity because at the beginning of quarantine, it took an adjustment to get stuck at home all the time. And literally, you go through a lot of mental stuff. Now I'm kind of good, but it's definitely ups and downs. But the thing that always helped me for sure was getting on that bike and going for 12, 15 miles. And I try to go in different directions from my house every time to switch it up. Uh, you know, go to Tropical Park. I'll, I'll go to Coco Plum Circle. I'll, you know, go to the Grove. Um, and, and I love it, man. It's just great. Do you ever go... Have you ever tried like from there to Kibiskane or is that too far? I've made it like all the way to like the Monty Trainers and Coconut Grove. I probably okay. kept on going. I had enough in me to keep on going, but it was, you know, I haven't necessarily done it. But one of these days, Coach HP, I'm going to do it. I'm going to Instagram it. I'm going to be like, I made it, Coach. I made it, Coach. It's, the bridge. it's funny because I was talking. So I had on the show uh, Jorge Masvidal's trainer. And they go running from South Miami, where they're at, all the way to Key Biscayne and back, which yeah. is crazy, man, which is crazy. But, I mean, I think there's that little main highway part right by the Grove that yes. makes it a nice run if you were to do that. But, again, Masvidal, you know, was, was a badass champ, UFC. Montreux. I could probably run to Key West if you wanted to. You know Key West and back. There's, you mentioned something there, man, that I think about. It, it enters my brain. And I forget it, and it enters my brain. I, I'm a big, the history of Miami, it excites me a lot. I don't have that passion for Miami sports because as I start to analyze more, I said, why don't I like Miami sports? And it's because I lost in Miami, personally. Like, since I was getting the shit beat out of me, and I was getting abused I related Miami to losing. So I became fans of teams that were winning to hop on their stuff, man. But at the same time, I'm intrigued 
a lot by the history of Miami and how important that is, man. And one thing that I've always admired about you is your passion and your pride for Miami. That's because I think your Miami experience, and I've always tried to talk to you to get you to do even more and leave Miami. And you're like, listen, we're not leaving Miami. And I'm like, but big fun. You deserve more, man. You could do this and that. And how much do you think? Because I was talking to a buddy of mine, super successful guy, two days ago. And he's giving me credit. He's like, man, to do what you did, to move, and to put it all on the line, it's crazy. He goes, I don't think I'll be able to do that now, you know? I go, yeah, but I feel that either the man upstairs or the universe had me raised in a way that's so uncomfortable so that I don't become comfortable so that I could reach places that whatever, because if I had an experience where I love everything around me, I'd be like, well, why would I ever leave? This is great, you know? But you're one of the guys that has that, man. Do you think that's impacted your decisions and stuff like that? I mean, Coach, you probably have something there. I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense of what you're saying, and maybe if you had a bad experience in Miami, then you're willing to go. And I've always loved Miami, and I think a lot of that pride is being Cuban, being Cubans, being from Miami, the sports in the town and the Canes and – the weather and the beaches and, you know, ultimately if Disney or ESPN were to ask me and I, and you know, I've been, there's been opportunity to go to New York or to go to Bristol. It's just something I can't do. And it's mainly because of my family and my wife has been here her whole life and her parents are here. Her sister's here. And the thing about my parents and her parents are like, we don't know how much longer they're going to be around. Right. Like they have a set amount of time on this earth. And Anna's not the type of girl that I could go and put her in a, an apartment in New York City and be like, okay, I'm going to go work. I'm going to go travel around the world. You just sit here in this apartment and I'll be back. Like, no, that's not going to work. So beyond just being happy and prideful of Miami, it's also the place where my family is going to be comfortable and my family is going to be happy. And to me, my family being happy and being comfortable is more worthy than me getting an EVP or a president gig at Disney. Like, there's plenty to do in Miami. There's plenty to do for Latin America out of Miami, especially being bilingual, et cetera. And, you know, I just, I, I just see myself and my family in Miami forever. Let me ask you one question that you brought that up. Who's the president now of Disney? Uh, the, the, the new CEO is Bob Chapek. Bob okay. Iger, who was there for 15, 20 years, he just re resigned. He and just Bob Chapek, who was going to be the head of parks, is now... I mean, he came into it now with a doozy, with the parks closed, the, the right. theater closing and all that. So if that Bob goes to you, listen, I need a guy. I need a guy that's not only big in the paint, he's big outside the paint, speaks two languages. I need you to be my predecessor. I'm going to groom you to be the president of Disney. Do you say, no, 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 I got to stay in Miami, or are we moving? Well, I think what's happened with COVID has changed the world where right. a person doesn't need to be sitting down in the office next to you. I think what you've realized now is everything can be done virtually. I mean, I'm selling to Pepsi and to Gillette and to MasterCard virtually. So my response to him would be great. If you love me, great. Let's do it. But I can do it from Miami, right? Like I can do it virtually from Miami. There are no offices anymore, right? Like, let's just do it here. So, I mean, I mean, speaking seriously, you'd have to consider something big like that 
And the good news is it's California. And my wife loves California. Who doesn't love California? My daughter is an is a aspiring actress. And she ever wants to become an actress. And the Cuedos decide to just go forward in California. And you never know. But it'd be tough. It'd be a tough sell. It'd be a tough sell, huh? Has, you mentioned Anina. Has talk started? Because what is she in junior year now? No, she's she's entering Coral Reef High. Uh, she'll be a freshman in Coral Reef so, High. So super young. Do you do you have talks about her going to California? Does that even come into play or not yet? Well, she she's dead set that when she goes to college, she's gonna go to New York or, or Cali in New York, like you know, definitely for like theater or something like that. Um, which I'm gonna be brokenhearted to be honest when she leaves here. Um, but has there been talks now to have her go to California to try and get an acting gig or anything like that? No. We have thought about like doing headshots and getting an agent and doing all that because people who are in that industry have recommended it for her. Right. Um, but you know, the Cuban families like to keep it tight and keep it in Miami. So like, I don't want her going too far, but again, it's probably similar to my situation. If I get a job in Burbank, like she gets a big gig, kind of got to go for it. Right. So, you got to go for it. You got to go. The thing is we're not even throwing the fish in the line right now. Like she's just doing the theater stuff here around here in the school of rock lead singing. But we haven't tried the acting agent headshot. You haven't even done the YouTube yet with her, right? No. That's that's a big one too, man. Because there's a lot of talent there, dude. Who sings in the family? Anybody else or is it just her? Not me, not not an Anna. I mean, it's funny. On Anna's Anna's sister's two kids could also sing, and Anna's sister's oldest son is actually in the music program at University of Florida. So some it's coming somewhere from Anna's side of the family, I think, because definitely Proton, my dad, never could sing. I couldn't sing, you know, et cetera. Dude, I think there's a big opportunity there. Big fun, man. I can't personally thank you enough for, for the friendship you've given me, man. You've given me opportunities that I will cherish forever. I remember our talks. I remember seeing you. I remember... The ups, I remember the downs. I remember, I remember a talk we had that I that I I didn't want to have it with you, but I had it because I needed it at the time. Uh, I learned a lot from that. It's 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 humbling when you can talk to somebody and mess up and confess to you and say, "Listen, man, I messed up there, and I'm sorry." But my friendship is more important than that. And I think in today's society, with social media, that people, they call it cancel culture now, that you just unfollow people you really care about because there's a misunderstanding or there's a disagreement. And one of the things that I value of our friendship is two things, that you had the courage, the balls to call me out, and that you had the courage and the balls to listen to me and accept me back. So I really appreciate that. I love you, Coach HP. And you know what? Whatever happened that moment, it hurt It, it hurt me because Fonzie had a little bit of a challenge and I came to you for the support and you were like, oh, this is what happens. And I was like, that's not what I needed at that moment. But it's also on me. Like I can't be hung over, you know, hung over heels based on every little thing that happens with Fonz and baseball and, HP, when the love is deep, you know, I'm always going to talk it out and talk it out. And there's no way I was going to lose you. It was just going to be something yeah. to be addressed. And, and what you did for me and my family and helped us along the way and definitely showed us 
how to be parents and Fonzie how to be a player and how to push. And I'm happy that some of the things that you're able to do with ESPN have kind of catapulted to more opportunities. And, you know, I think you're shining, buddy, and you're going to keep on going. And uh, there's no doubt that the motor won't stop for, for Coach HP, man. You're the man. Giving will end up in money, money, money. <laughs> Big fun. Any question for me before we go, man? No, Coach. I just want to say uh, I'm really excited about the family that you're building. I know you got a little one, and I, I know you got another one on the way. And we'll see, we'll see how you become that father-son relationship with baseball and with everything else. Um, I have, I, you know, I speak to you all the time. I spoke to you yesterday. Um, no questions. Just, you know, whenever you make it in the big time, don't forget the little people. But Never, never, never. <laughs> Nobody forgets big fun. Big fun. I love you, bro. Thank you for doing this, man. All right. We'll be in touch, brother. Put my little name there, big fun, next time. You got to do it right. Yeah, for part two, we're going to put big fun. Dale, brother. Take it easy. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Subscribe, review, anything you want. I got every single one of you. I love you. Have a great day. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.